So we're starting this new series called Keep the Change. Now, I know what some of you might have been thinking. Keep the change. That's, that's a money phrase. I mean, you're, you're talking about money, aren't you, Pastor? All those pastors always talking about money. Keep the change. Keep. It's actually not about money at all. Keep the change is all about keeping the change that has happened in our life. As I counsel with people and as I talk to people all the time about their walk, they seem a little bit frustrated that they're not able to sort of keep the change. And maybe they have accepted Christ as Savior and they've invited them to be, to be uh, Lord of their life and their heart and they want to live, to him, live for him. But it, it's so hard in this world. Guys, I know. <laughs> it's very difficult in this world. It seems like we're being attacked from all fronts. And so the enemy is moving in and circling around us as, as a body of believers. And everywhere you go, it just seems like we, we, we're trying our best to keep the change, to, to walk in righteousness. And, and I meet so many people who, who ask the questions, how do I know if I'm growing? How do I know if I'm keeping the change if I'm really, really growing? It's kind of like when you were a child and, you're, and maybe your parents put you up to a doorpost and they, they marked your height and, and, the, and, the, and the date on that and maybe your name and a few months later or a couple of years later they do the same and mark the date. If we did that with all of our kids, I don't know, we need a whole 12-foot wall you know, or something, a lot of space to do that. But you and I, we want to be able to measure the change. We want to be able to say, how do we know that we are growing in Christ? How do we know that we are keeping the change in our life? And so that's an important question because I know this. Jesus told us, his, one of his very last words, look, I'm gonna go to heaven and you know, I'm gonna come back for you. You're not gonna know when. I don't even know when. Only God the Father knows. But let me tell you this. Here's my last words. Go and make disciples. That's it. Go and make disciples. You're gonna figure it out. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you're gonna figure it out. And so, as a church, and, and by the way, church, that is not just me going to make disciples. If you're a believer in Christ, you and I both, are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you and I both are to make disciples. You and I both have people in our lives where God's like, okay, that person right there, I want you to share your testimony. This person right here, I want you to help grow them in their faith. I want you to speak life to them, whether it could be a text message a day or a scripture or whatever, the disciple. And as parents, we need to make sure we're discipling our kids first and foremost. And but God has, God has given you people in your life that you and I, we need to disciple. So it's not just me, bro. It's you and me together. And so Jesus is saying, look, go and make disciples. But how, how do we know we are growing? And so that's what this series is all about. How do we keep the change? How do we know we are growing in Christ? Well, before we could talk about if we are growing in Christ, we need to talk about the, like the change. I mean, what, what about the change? We need to make sure that a change has actually happened in our life. So today, our focus is going to be, and here's, here's the question for today, what about the change? What about the change? It reminds me of a, of a Christian song by Stephen Curtis Chapman, and this is back, gosh, early 90s, 
And I love this song, but let me just read some of the words. Well, I got myself a t-shirt that says what I believe. I got letters on my bracelet to serve as my ID. You know, what would Jesus do? I got the necklace and the keychain. It says a cross and almost everything a good Christian needs. I got the little Bible magnet on my refrigerator door and a welcome mat to bless you before you walk across my floor. Yes, I got a Jesus bumper sticker and the outline of a fish stuck on my car. And even though this stuff's all well and good, I cannot help but ask myself, what about the change? What about the difference? What about the grace? What about forgiveness? What about a life that's showing I'm undergoing what? A change. I'm undergoing a change. You know, it's, it's great to, to have people who are displaying and saying, hey, I believe in Christ, but really when it all boils down to it, has a change really happened in our life? Has it really, really happened and as we have accepted Christ as Savior? If you have accepted Christ as Savior, then you and I are slowly but surely being drawn to a life of righteousness, a life of righteous living, and it's not because, we're going to get to this later, it's not, because of, it's not because of everything that we're doing, it's really the work of the Holy Spirit. Because when Christ comes into your life, he breathes the very Holy Spirit into your life. You can uh, read that in Acts chapter 2, how the Holy Spirit came into the church and it made the church grow and it caused the church to grow. And the same Spirit can cause your life to grow as well. And so as, as the Holy Spirit comes, it doesn't make you perfect, it makes you new. That's important. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you perfect, it makes you new. Because you will have a new way of approaching God. You will have new thoughts, you will have a new way of treating people, and you will have a new way of living this life. The Holy Spirit, when you accept Christ, it makes you new, not perfect, okay? A lot of people in this world who may be unbelievers say, well, these Christians, they're just, they're not really living right. Yes, there are hypocrites, and yes, as the body of church, we gotta hold each other accountable to that, but let me let you know, I am not perfect. Those who know me know fully well, I am not perfect, I'm far from it. I'm a sinner, saved by what? Saved by grace. And because of the Holy Spirit in my life, I am a new creation. And if I do something wrong, I'm convicted, not condemned. I'm convicted and to be able to live in this life with Christ. You know, it's, it's, it's all about relationship alignment. You know, it's very similar to like a husband and wife when they, when they are in a relationship of love, there is an alignment that happens in a healthy marriage relationships. Because it all begins with love, because if you truly love one another, and this is not a, a sermon about marriage, but just use this as an example, because of love, the husband and wife, they align their hearts to one another. They align each other. And there's a change that happens in their heart and how they approach themselves. It's not about what they want, it's about what the other's needs are. And it's very similar to a relationship between a parent and a child. 
as a child begins to see the love that the parent shows in their life, then a child, once they see that, once they realize that they're like, oh, wow, my, my parents really love me. They love me. I want to adjust my life. And, and what's an act of, of, of showing that they love us? It's through respect and obedience. The same can be said for following God and knowing that when a change happens, we know it happens because of we have things that are new, things that are right, and we make alignments in our life. Now, what do we measure when things are changed? So when, when, when a change happens in, in our life, what do we measure? Now, this is really, really important because we live in a society that's all about the results. It's all about the results. I mean, kids, I mean, students and, and teachers and administrators in schools, they're all about the results. They want to get the results, and that's important, test results. And, and it's important to, to measure those things. And even businesses, they measure the bottom line. They, they divide things by first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, and so forth. And they measure those things, and they want to see results. It's about results, results, results. We live in a society that focuses on results. Can I tell you something? I believe that we will get greater results if we not focus so much on the results, but we focus more on the process. We focus more on the process that helps us to get the results. For example, let's say you're like, all right, I gotta lose some weight, okay? I got, you know, not good things are happening with my body, I gotta lose some weight. So you, you, you get yourself on the scale and you weigh yourself every day. And you're like, man, I gotta do something about this. I gotta do something about this. And you're, and you're always measuring results. Let, let me let you know something. And we're gonna tie this over into pretty much every area in your life. Using this as an example, rather than measuring the, the results, you can measure the process. You can measure the process of that. So if your attention is on more, focus on what you eat, how many steps you take, how many miles you walk, how much water you drink, if that is increased and valued, if you value the process, then you're really going to get the results that you need. And the reason I bring this as an example is because we could do the same thing in our life as well. And, and let me use some more examples. If you're like, okay, I, I'm tired of just yelling at my kids, yelling at my kids. What brings you to the point, rather than like, I gotta stop yelling at my kids, I gotta stop yelling at my kids, or, or whatever. Rather than measuring the results, we need to measure the process. We need to measure the process. Susanna and I, as parents, we're always trying to, okay, right before it gets to this result that we don't want, we need to go back and say, all right, what is the process that, it, that, that is leading up to the change that we really, really want? Um, another example, I mean, I gotta stop wasting my time. You get at the end of the day, and you're like, you wasted your time. Rather than measuring that result, you measure the process. And you go back and say, okay, what caused me to waste time? And so what you do is you go back and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to value 
the things that lead up to a, um, a quality time, of me not wasting my time. So just to use into some examples, we could do the same thing in our walk with Christ. So our culture likes to attack the results and not the process. And I, and I believe this is one thing that, that one reason why Christians, many Christians, are actually judgmental towards people who are living a lifestyle that they shouldn't be living. We focus so much more on the results and not on the process. Our message is often centered around people needing to change their resulted lifestyle rather than focus on the one Jesus who can change their life. We're so focused on the results of people's lifestyle, we're not focused on the one who could change their life. Only Jesus could change that. Lake Point Church, Frank Bennett, we are, I, I, we cannot change a people's lifestyle. Only Jesus can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. For examples, we don't focus judgment on lifestyles of things such as homosexuality, adultery, pornography, all of those things. Yes, are they in the Bible? Are they wrong? Yes. But as a church, we, we can't change that. Here's what we do. As a church, we point people to God, their relationship with Jesus Christ, and then let Jesus change their heart. Let Jesus change their life. People who are caught up in adultery, pornography, or whatever, we point them to Christ. Jesus is the one through the Holy Spirit who will change their heart and change their life. We don't change lives. It's very, very important. That's why our mission statement, our purpose statement that I just said, we point people to God, the relationship, Jesus Christ, his church, and his world. So we don't speak a message of condemnation. We speak a message of the gospel. Now, we preach everything that's in the gospel. We don't hide things around. We don't, we don't, we don't sugarcoat things. We share exactly what's in God's word. But the big, big things that people are, 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 are drawn to, the, the, the lifestyles that people are stuck with, we speak the message of the gospel. And the gospel in Jesus changes hearts, period. So if you're tired of a lifestyle that you're stuck in, then you need to place more value on the process of becoming more like Jesus. Stop focusing on the results. Oh, I gotta get out of this lifestyle. I gotta get out of this. I gotta stop doing this. You're focusing on the results. Focus on the process. And that's what this whole series is about. Focusing on the process of becoming like Christ, of becoming like Jesus. And, and you do that through personal discipleship, through prayer, through fellowship, through all kinds of things that we're gonna be talking about over the next few weeks. It's all about the process and not about the results. Are y'all tracking with me? Is that too, I mean, I'm trying to explain it, okay? Stop focusing on the results. I gotta get out of this, I gotta get out. No, focus on the process. Let Jesus change your heart, change your life, and he will. So, how do we know 
that change has begun in our life. How do we know that changes have become in our, in our life? I'm gonna use this passage, and I'm gonna be in Ephesians chapter two, verses one through nine, and this is our main passage of scripture here for, to, uh, for today. And what I've just shared with you is basically an introduction to, to not only today's message, but the entire series. But if you turn your copy of God's word to Ephesians chapter two, there's some really, really uh, awesome gold nuggets here that we need to apply to our lives. And if you don't have your copy of God's word, you can look on the screen and we will have that for you. But you will know that change has happened when you are alive in Christ. You will know, listen, listen church, if you're listening online, you will know that change has happened when you are alive in Christ, okay? Your senses, your spiritual senses are attuned to the fact that Jesus is inside you and Jesus is speaking to you. So let's go to the Apostle Paul letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter two, verse one through nine. So we're gonna read these verses right here. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in you and in those who are disobedient. Verse three, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Verse four, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now that right there, that's the gospel. <laughs> that's the gospel message, and we're going to, to dissect that a little bit today. Verses one through three shows us what our lives are like before the change happens. One through three shows us what our life is like before the change happens. If you're experiencing any of these, then the change needs to happen in your life. Number one, deadness. Deadness. If you're experiencing a sense of deadness in your life, then change needs to happen. Say, so what is deadness? Well, deadness is when you're living in this life and there's no sense that God is speaking to you, that God is walking beside you. Now, God never leaves you, God never forsakes you. He is there, but it's actually us who are turning our backs to him, and we only turn to him when we need him. When we are spiritually dead, and, and, and we feel like we are alone, and God is not with us, then a change needs to happen. Second thing, follow the world. If you're following the ways of this world, then a change needs to happen in your life. So what does that look like? 
You don't have to turn there, but it's Mark, just a couple of verses in Mark chapter four, verse 18 through 19. Listen to this. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So what is it like living in, in the world? And there's plenty of other passages in scripture that shows us this, but we have the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things, the desires for other things besides Christ. That not only produces deadness in our life, but we are following the world. If you and I are following the world, then there needs to be a change that happens in our life. You know, it's interesting in that in those same um, verses, in verses one through three, it talks about how the kingdom of the air, okay, following the kingdom of the air, and that, that, that's Satan, that's, that's the, the ruler of this world, of this current earth. You know, he's got dominion over the air. And it's really interesting that, that you know, through the air, we, we use things like our phones, and the internet and all this stuff. And I'm not saying if you have a phone or use the internet, doesn't mean that you know, you're going to hell, you're not living for Christ. But isn't it amazing? <laughs> and, and Paul's not saying because of you know, down the road there's gonna be internet. But it, I don't know, I was just reading this this week and I was like, it's really interesting. The kingdom of this air. You know, right now there's, there's data flowing in and out of this room to phones and computers and all over the place. I can transfer and, and a file and send it to you right now, and it's through the air. So even things like we use in our life, if we are following the ways of the world, even the kingdom of the air, meaning following the ways of the world, what they look at, what they do uh, you know, with, their, with their phones, with their devices, if we are following the ways of the world, even with the air, then we need to have change in our life. The last thing he mentions in verse one through three, sinful cravings, desires, and thoughts. If we have, if you and I have continued patterns of, of cravings, of not just cravings, but actually doing the things, of fulfilling the desires of our hearts, the cravings, then there needs to be a change in our life. If you're craving some things, and, and I'm not talking about, you know, the you know, the, the little things, okay? I'm talking about, I'm talking about the, the, the things of unrighteousness. I'm talking about the things of unrighteousness, the things that will lead you and I away from following Christ. And so if there's a pattern of, of fulfilling that, there needs to, be, needs to be a change. And all that happens when we role play, when, when we have the desires in our thoughts as Paul mentioned in the last part of verse three, when we have those desires and those thoughts, when we role play in our mind and we like to go there and we have those desires and the role plays, you know that's where the actions start, okay? We don't wake up and say, I think I'm gonna fall away from God. I think I'm, gonna, I'm going to do an unrighteous act. I think I'm gonna fall into sin today. It always starts with the mind and the heart. And so, Paul, Paul shares with that. If we, if we follow that road down our desires and thoughts, then ultimately 
we will act upon them. And if that's the case, then there needs to be a change in our life. So verse one through three shows us, all right, you can't be living like this. But verse four is the hope. Verse four starts the process. Remember, we're not focusing on the results. We're focusing on the process. So verse four starts that process. The process towards being alive in Christ involves fully understanding and experiencing his love, his mercy, his grace, and his kindness. His love, his mercy, his grace, and his kindness. So first of all, we gotta accept his love. But because of his great love for us, not just for some people, us, everybody, but because of his great love. Do you know that his love is there no matter what you do? No matter how you're living your life, his love is already there. Do you know that he loves you just as much as he loves you know, the, the people in your life that you think, man, that person's a scumbag, that person's an evil, evil person? He loves you just as he loves them and vice versa. His love is already there, and he's proven that with the sacrifice on the cross. Love is the key to the process. Love is a key to the process. Love is the thing that makes us come alive. It's very similar to a mother's love for her child. Very similar to a mother's or a parent's love to her child. But there's something, there's something even spe- more special about a, a mother's love to a child, to where, to where as, a, as a mom, you're able to, 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 to love that child and the child sees that, experiences that, and their life is drawn, their heart is drawn to your heart. It begins with love. And I know there are some parents here today and some moms who've been able to do that, and I know there's some future moms here today. And moms in waiting, as I like to call them, because it's, it's, it's happening, it's coming. Moms in waiting to where you're ready to just pour out your mother's heart to a child that God ready to bless you with. And, and maybe you're a mom here today, and you kind of understand that. And you, that mother's love is a thing that changes a child. It changes a child's heart towards the mom. And obviously, us dads kind of get a little bit of that as well. But it's all about accepting the love, just like a newborn child. Number two, not only we accept his love, we accept his mercy. God offered mercy before you even knew you were a sinner. You know, there are people living, living in sin right now. We're, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. But I'm talking about there are people right now, maybe you're listening online, and you're like, man, he's talking about me. Man, you're, you're, you're living in, 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 in sin, and there's people who are living in sin. They don't even realize that there's someone who has already offered mercy to them. Maybe they're trying to get out of it. They're focusing on the results. They're trying to get it out of their life. Man, I gotta stop partying all night. I gotta stop getting drunk. I gotta stop uh, these drugs. I gotta stop sleeping around. I gotta stop doing all these things. They're focusing on the results and they're trying to get out of that and they're always gonna just keep recycling through all of that. Why? Because they're stuck in a results-driven 
concept and a mindset. In all reality, they need to let that go. They need to surrender their heart to Jesus. And it's all about accepting his love and his mercy. We complicate things. We complicate things. And you're going to learn as we go down this passage of the of this sermon series over the next few weeks, you're going to understand what we're talking more about. I love this in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. You don't have to turn it, but it's just one simple verse. You've heard it before. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. You know, this doesn't sound like a God who's out to get you. If you're listening online and maybe you're here today, it's like, man, I've done some things. God's out to get me. Let me tell you something. God is not out to get you. He's waiting on you. He's on the front porch. He's waiting for you to come home. He's going to run. He's, gonna, he's going to celebrate with you. He's not out to get you. This proves this passage, all these passages, because he first loved us through his mercy. That mercy is there for you to receive. And as we go on to verse six through seven in this, in this passage, when it says, it talks about, and God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the realms, in order that the kingdom, uh, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressing his kindness to us in, in, in Christ Jesus. So what this shows to me is that not only do we need to accept his love, we need to accept his grace, but we need to be able to, we need to belong to him. When you accept his love and accept his, his mercy, then there's a sense of belonging to him. What this passage shows in, in verse six shows that you already have a seat at the table in heaven with Christ and that you and I are, are to display, are to demonstrate his kindness to the world. As we follow Christ and as we are truly have a change in our life, that we are a trophy case displaying his grace, his mercy, his love. I just got news today that, that one of our children in our church accepted Christ this morning. One of our kids, not my kids, but a family in our church accepted Christ. Well, that kid has a sibling who accepted Christ a few years ago, and guess what? That sibling had, had a role to play. That sibling showed what? Love. Grace, mercy, you know? Sure, that, that sibling probably, you know, wrestled with and fought a little bit and argued and that kind of stuff, but, but all in reality, that sibling showed grace, love, mercy, and, and, and all of that. Same thing happened in our family. We believe that Madison, our oldest, was the first one to accept Christ as Savior because she was a trophy case of God's love, grace, and mercy. Guess what? That showed Landon, who eventually became a believer in Jesus Christ. And then Landon showed that grace, love, and mercy, too, to Logan. And he became a believer. And then we, we brought uh, Lawson, Marion, and Lincoln into our family. And guess what? Logan's life. Showed grace, love, and mercy to Lawson. In fact, Logan's the one that led Lawson to the Lord. 
He told us one night, he's like, look, I think Lawson's ready to receive Jesus. We're like, well, I don't know. I mean, does he understand everything? And next day, Logan's like, hey, done. I already did it. I already led him to the Lord. We're like, okay, that's good. But it not only happens within families, you are a trophy case if you really have the change in your life. You are a trophy case, not of yourselves, but of the glory of God, of the love, grace, mercy, and kindness. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. The Bible says that very clearly. It's the kindness of Jesus. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And so you and I are the ones who show that, who display that. And then it's ultimately about believing in him. As we see in verse eight, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's about faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You know, this reminds us that it's not about, it's not about what we do to make the change. Yes, there are things we, there are things you and I need to do to keep the change, and we're gonna talk through that. We're gonna be talking about the process, but today, it's all about answering this question, what about the change? What about the change? It's not about something that you do to make that change happen. You can work all you can. You could, you could try to work yourself into heaven, it's not gonna work. You could try to get out of the cycle of this results driven life that you don't like, you could try to get out of that as much as you can with your own strength, with your own willpower, whatever. It's not gonna get you what you want. Now, after you accepted Christ, and once that change happens, then yes, we're gonna talk about that starting in the next few weeks. That process to keep the change. Yes, there are things you and I need to do to keep the change. And when I say keep the change, I don't mean to see, I don't mean to say keep salvation. You're not gonna lose your salvation. If you truly are saved in Christ Jesus, you, you know, he who began a good work in you is faithful and just, he will, he will complete that in us. So it's not about losing that salvation, it's all about growing in Christ and keeping that change. But before we can keep the change, we need to make sure there is a change. We need to make sure there is a change. And that change happens when we understand it's not about what we do, it's about what Christ has already done. It's not about what we do, it's about what Christ has done. It's not about something you're doing, but about where you're moving. Where are you moving? Are you moving toward God, or are you moving away from God? Are you moving toward God, or are you moving away from God? If you're moving towards God with your heart, and he, he's knocking on the door of your heart, and you're sensing that, you're like, okay, God, I surrender. I surrender to you. I, I understand your salvation is free. Your love is awesome. Your mercy is never failing. It's new as a rising sun of every new day. So what is a process? What is a process of, of accepting Christ? What is a process of having that initial change? It's accepting his love, accepting his mercy, then ultimately belonging to him and being a trophy case of displaying to him and then believing in him through faith. It's not about what we do. It's about through faith. I believe in you, Jesus. So the change, 
It's not that hard. It's surrender. You know, a change is not about, I gotta fight, I gotta fight. No. A change, it was just surrender. Now, to keep the change, oh yeah, there's a fight. Oh yeah, there's a fight. And that's why it's important that we do this together as a church. But to have the change, it's about surrender. And I know most of you here in this room, and some, several of you listening online right now, you probably have had that change. You've had that change in your life. You made that change. And, and, and yeah, you're trying to seek a way to keep that change and live in a life of righteousness. Yes, we're going to go down that road. But before we do that, I've got to make sure that that change happens. When I started this series, when I was studying this week, I was like, okay, Lord, we're gonna get into prayer, we're gonna get into Bible study, we're gonna get into into fellowship and and all this stuff to keep the change. God's like, hmm, not everyone has changed. How, How can you keep something that never began, that never started? God wants to start a change in your heart. God wants to start a change in your heart. It's, you gotta have the change before you can keep the change. What is the result? What is the result after the process? We see this in one verse, Ephesians, the next verse, two ten. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We have new life through a greater purpose to do good works through the skills and abilities and the talents God has given to us. We are his handiwork, his craftsmanship, his craftsmanship. We are his handiwork. Um, I was helping Mary and our daughter um, kind of clean up her you know, her bathroom area and just kind of moving some things out. We're gonna about to do some painting and that kind of stuff. And we ran across some, some artwork and Marion is actually a really, really great artist. Um, and, um, but they, they were all kind of like, her artwork was like in a tub, a plastic tub. And I was looking at them and I was like, Marion, why, why are these just right here? Because yeah, I wanna display them. It's like, that is great. She goes, how about we display them on this wall and maybe we can figure out a way to do that well? I was like, yes, you need to display them because guess what? You created that. You created that. You need to be proud of that and they're good, better than I could do. You know, some of you, or all of you actually, you are God's masterpiece. You are his handiwork. You are, you are his his prize, his joy, you are his creation. And he's painted your life to look like something, and it's beautiful. But if you don't, if you don't surrender to his love and his mercy and his grace and, and his kindness, your masterpiece is just in a tub somewhere. It's just in a tub. Get out of the tub. Get it out of there. And, and display it. But you can't display it yourself. Christ is the one who does that. What do you do? You surrender. You wave the white flag. That's all you do. You surrender to Christ. To God, please, 
Help me to follow after you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I know, as I said just a few moments ago, that there's a lot of people in here who have already accepted Christ as Savior, and that is so awesome. But, you know, I, I, do, I don't want to assume that not everybody in here has actually made that decision to follow Christ. Maybe you're listening online, and you need to make that decision. Maybe there's something here today you've heard. It's like, you know, Frank, I've been trying to get out of this rut. I've been trying to adjust the results, but it's really about the process of surrender to his love, his grace, his mercy, and to ultimately display the masterpiece that God has made me to be. If that is you today, I'm going to give you this opportunity today. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that is you, you're like, man, I need to make that change for God. I need to surrender. It says like this. Just simply say a prayer. Just follow after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I surrender to your love. I surrender to your mercy. I surrender to your grace. I surrender to your kindness. Make me a new creation. Make me a masterpiece to be displayed. Help me, Father, to live for you. I accept you as Lord and Savior. Please forgive me in my sin. Come into my life. Help me live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, please let us know. Please let us know. Let me know in the lobby. And if you've prayed that prayer online, you can actually send us a, a, a message. You can actually go to pastor. You send me an email, pastor at lakepointonline.com. I would love to hear from you. Thanks.